So I told you I'd ask you some questions prior to, and just to kind of get things going, just to kind of make you think about, make us think as I've been thinking about this as well. What beautiful things in the present do you do for Jesus? Beautiful things would you do? That implies, by the way, that there are some things that you wouldn't do, right? This is what I I want us to think this morning through. What beautiful things do you desire to do or want to do? What beautiful things do you know to do? And lastly, why would you do those things? Do you know why you would do those things? You know, Matthew chapter 25, verse 40 says, And the kings will answer them, Jesus speaking, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Jesus said, as we read the account in Mark chapter 14 of what she did, and as he responded to the others that were there, that rebuked her, addressed her sharply. Jesus said, she has done a beautiful thing to me. Thinking about God's craft, his handiwork, his artwork. You and I were his poema. As it says in Ephesians 2.10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Do we know those good works that we are to live out? That we are to walk out? That we are to act on? Not just talk, just, not just to know about them, but to truly obediently, willfully, with great joy, walk them out. This morning, as we look at the time when Mary, the sister of Martha, and Lazarus took an alabaster flask full of expensive oil and poured it on the head of Jesus, we will see how this woman expressed this unrestrained love, adoration, and delight toward Jesus. Jesus himself stating that what she had done to him was a beautiful thing. This act, this beautiful act, we know was done by faith. For we know that without faith it's impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Do you know that? He he is blessed by that. He receives that as faithful worship, as belief in him, trust in him. We possess, in that moment, we place our trust in Jesus Christ, a a peace that surpasses all understanding, a hope that is unshakable, a life that has been redeemed and possesses great purpose. And we begin to learn how to love as he first loved us. In 1 John 4.19, we love because he first loved us. 
you know, as I think about the life of the Apostle Paul, you know, in the moment he thought of his life much prior to his encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. But it was in that moment, at that time, when he realized that he was really fighting, opposing Jesus the whole time, thinking that he was doing what was right, being very zealous for the law. It was in that moment that he realized that all of that was nothing. Everything that he knew, everything that he thought, his position and power and authority and influence in the world, in his world, during those times leading up to that moment, it was all for nothing. And he realized that outside of Christ, his life was worthless and even worse. In his sin, if he remained in his sin, he remained a condemned man. And from that moment on, he lived to fulfill God's plan and purpose for his life, whatever that may be. Philippians 1.21, the Apostle Paul writes, For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. What do people who are willing to give themselves entirely to God without any reservation truly as living sacrifices know? Do you want to know that? I want to know, what do they know? How can they love to the point to where they're willing to lay down their own lives for the sake of just simply serving the Lord in whatever capacity He has set before them to serve Him in? Such a man as C.T. Studd. I believe it is knowing more fully, truly understanding God's grace, what we've been forgiven of. Believing that the only thing of value is doing things that please the Lord and bring Him glory at any and all cost, including, if necessary, laying down our very lives. Oswald Chambers said, quote, It takes me a long while to realize that God has no respect for anything I bring him. All he wants from me is unconditional surrender. Again, are you withholding anything from the Lord? What what are you withholding? That's something that I pray the Lord will do with our time together as we consider these verses, as we go and, and take a look at the life of Mary. I believe that it would benefit us greatly to consider some of the things as we consider Mary in this story also to back up a bit and consider some of the things that Mary that uh, about Mary that led up to this point when she expressed such a love for Jesus that she held no expense back from adoring him so lavishly turn with me to Luke chapter 10 Luke chapter 10. We're going to go to verse 38. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. 
Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. I always wonder how he told her that. Martha, Martha. Or was it Martha, Martha? It matters, right? (laughs) At any rate, he said, you're anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Listen. Listen. Draw in. Listen. There's a difference. See, many hear, but few listen. If you have kids, you know that all to be true. Right? Hey, listen, do you hear me? Mm -hmm. Why didn't you answer me? Why didn't you acknowledge? If you heard me, then why didn't you do what I asked you to do when I asked you to do it? See, many hear, but few listen. You see, to hear is to perceive a sound made. It's just a sound that you hear. Whether it be a a train horn or a car going by, kids playing in the playground or whatever else. You just acknowledge, okay, I, I hear that. But to listen is to take notice of and act on what someone says. I'm listening. I just, I hear you, but man, I'm listening. I'm, I'm drawn in. I'm, I'm seeking to understand what you're telling me. Martha, as we consider this story, Martha was hospitable toward Jesus, wasn't she? I mean, she invited him in to their home. While Mary, as he came in, Martha was serving, and then we have Mary. Mary was not serving Jesus in uh, what we would see as serving, right? She wasn't moving about. She wasn't giving him anything, providing water or food or anything else. But Mary simply sat at Jesus' feet, listening to his teaching. But Martha is described... In this way, she's distracted with much serving. It's described to us, though. It's, it's not just serving, being active. It, it's much more than that. You see, Jesus described her as being annoyed. It was revealed by Martha as she asked Jesus if he even cared. Do you even care? Considering she was doing all the work while her sister remained sitting. And she was, she was sitting, just, just listening to him. That's all she's doing. She needs to get up and actually do something. Do you even care? Get, please tell her to get up and help. Verse 41 says, but the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things. 
So he described what she was dis- distracted with, with much serving, but the, the manner in which she perceived, she saw this, was very important. You see, Jesus pointed out that Martha was anxious. In other words, she was nervous, uneasy, and fearful. That's what being anxious is. You're, you're nervous, uneasy. We have a dog. His name's Riley. And my goodness, he's a, he's a little Aussie. He's about 60 pounds. And he just, do, you, do, you, do any, any of you have dogs? Yeah? Do you have a whiner? It's like, man, just shut up. It's like, what are you whining about? You have to go to the bathroom. What is it? Just nervous, like seemingly fearful, uneasy. Can you imagine? Like I see Riley doing that, but how many of us look the same way? Uneasy, fearful, nervous. That, that's how Jesus describes Martha. You're anxious and troubled. You're worried, distressed, agitated. And he said, you know what? He said, you're anxious and troubled about many things. You see, Jesus knew her heart. Yeah, you're right now busy, busy doing this and that. But there's, there's, a, there's a problem with your heart. You're anxious and troubled about many things. This world that we're living in is riddled, riddled with anxiety. And so many people are troubled with many things. But the Prince of Peace was sitting right before her. After all, Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30, Jesus said, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Do you believe that? See, the key here to the burdens of anxiety and worry is, number one, to go to Jesus. Not anywhere else. There's, there's no other book that will offer you the solution to those things that trouble you, that weigh you down. I truly believe that. After all, Second Peter 1.3 says that everything that pertains to life and godliness is, is, is known through or found or received through the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So as we get to know the word of God, as we get draw closer to the Lord, we realize those things that we are anxious for and worry about and trouble our hearts and we can find peace and we can find hope. We can find the answer to as we search the scriptures. We really don't need another book. This is the book. And I truly believe that. Or else I wouldn't be standing here. I, I, honestly, I'd be somewhere else. If I didn't believe that, I would not be here. I could be doing something else. Jesus said to come to him, to go to him. He said also, the second thing is, learn from me. Implying that 
You seek to understand the word. And then finally he says, take my yoke upon you. Saying that you need to allow yourself to be led by him. How many times do we not just neglect to to go to him, but then we don't even take the time to understand him in his word, and even less to have this yoke placed upon our neck and be led by him. Say, well, I'm his disciple. No, you're not. (laughs) Not if you fail to go to him, if you fail to learn from him, and then you remove the yoke and neglect to yield to him and his authority and be led by him. But if we do those things, oh, we will find we will find a, a peace. We will find rest for our souls. You need rest. Anyone need rest for your soul? I, I need rest for my, I need to go back continually to the Lord and rest in him. Verse 42 says, But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. It's interesting, even in that moment, and we know that Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many, right? And in that moment, even then, we we realize he, he wasn't there to be served, but he was there to serve. You see, he had something to say that they needed to hear and listen to, and who was the one that was listening Both of them could have sat down and listened. After all, the Son of God was in their home. But Mary was listening to Jesus. But Martha, well, she was unable to listen. Why? Because she was distracted with much serving and she was anxious and troubled about many things. You know that that will keep us from the better portion, from being able to deal with some of the things. You know, when you have a, a, a lot, anyone feels sometimes overwhelmed with life? Okay, let's all stand up. You guys with me here? This is uh, participatory here. Uh, let's go ahead and raise our hand. Anyone ever feel overwhelmed with life? All right. Some of you are lying, but... There, there are times, right, to where it's just, hey, this is a bit much. I have, I have much on my plate, like right now. So what do I do? I get up first thing in the morning, and, and I start with the tasks at hand, right? Is that what we ought to do? And, wrong answer. I have much to do. Therefore, I will spend much time with the Lord. You go to him. You see, Martha couldn't listen because she was distracted. She was distracted in her mind, in her heart. She was anxious and troubled about many things. But Mary chose the good portion. She was listening. And by the way, this was a beautiful thing that she did. As she was listening, she was honoring the Lord and glorifying Jesus. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. You will not be able to hear his commandments if you are distracted by much. If you're 
filled with the concerns and worries of the world and filled with anxiety, you won't hear him. You won't be able to be reminded of his promises. Even Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, you won't remember that. Because your mind and your heart will be occupied by something else. But Mary chose the good portion. She honored the Lord. She did what was honoring and glorifying to Jesus. There is a time for serving, but you won't know how to serve him if you don't listen, learn, and know the Savior. Beautiful things for a beautiful Savior. Turn with me to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. Beautiful things for our beautiful Savior. Number one, listen. Number two, wait. We're going to see this. We're going to read through this story. Just write through it. This is when Lazarus died and was resurrected by Jesus. In verse 1, Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sister sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now, Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. So Thomas, called a twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go, that we may die with him. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling for you. 
And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come up with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, how, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. We all know, and we're perhaps very familiar with the story of Lazarus, But as we read through it, and this is why I like to read through certain sections of Scripture so that we can get an overall picture, an understanding of exactly what happened in that moment. Not bits and pieces and then break it down, but more, let's take a look at the whole thing and then break it down from there. Of course, what we're focusing on, who we're focusing in on, is Mary. And the thought for this, as we consider what Mary, how Mary responded, is, is one word, and that is wait. We know that as we read this, Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. They were friends. They were, they enjoyed time together. They knew each other. And the sisters called for Jesus because at that point... Lazarus was gravely ill. It's interesting, though, Jesus uh, loving them so much. After being told that Lazarus was sick and he was being summoned by the sisters, he loved them so much that he waited two days. The thoughts that you get, right? In fact, this is, this is what Martha told him. This is what Mary told him. Others said, hey, if he is who he says he is, he could have kept this man from dying. These are the the thoughts that are commonly thought up and allowed to ruminate in our minds. But there was a purpose. You know that every delay, you, you may ask and ask and ask and ask requests, but listen, uh, your ways are not God's ways. 
Your thoughts are not God's ways. There's a reason sometimes for the delay. Sometimes it's to help us think through these things and, and realize that is really not what the Lord desires. Or sometimes the Lord just says no. Or sometimes it's, there's a delay so that he will receive the glory when things do happen. Do you simply believe him? L- listen, when we go to Jesus, learn from him, and, and, and are led by him, we can rest in him. Do you understand what I'm saying? Why? Because we, we completely trust in him. It's like, okay, that's not what I desired in the moment. The way things would go and the delay and or maybe no or whatever it is. But Lord, I trust you. My life is in your hands. I desire to just, just honor you. By the time he got there, Lazarus had been in the grave four days. And when they hear that Jesus had was, was close by, that he had come, Martha, of course, being Martha, kind of reminds me somewhat of Peter. Martha gets up, makes a beeline to Jesus, confronts him. Where was Mary? She remained seated at the house. Both knew Jesus, knew him very well. Remember, Mary previously had chosen the good portion. She said, at this time, she didn't go to Jesus, but she remained seated in the house. It's interesting how Jesus addressed Martha with what happened, with with what perhaps she did not listen to when Jesus had visited their house. Remember where Mary was sitting down and Martha was occupied with much? After Jesus spoke with Martha, he called for Mary, and in that very moment, she rose quickly and went to him. At that time, okay, Jesus is calling me, now I'm going to go. What did Mary do? She, she fell at his feet and told him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. See, she believed. Had the Lord been there, he wouldn't have died. You have the power, you have the authority. You can keep him from dying. And yet you allowed him to die. Notice, though, that she still fell at his feet and confessed this. Because Mary knew that Jesus was the resurrection and the life, and she waited on Jesus, putting her hope entirely in him. Believe, trust, hope. That is what it means to wait on the Lord. It's a, it's a life filled with faith and expectancy that the Lord is faithful. Beautiful things for our beautiful Savior. We consider this about Mary as we now going to mark chapter 14. It was two days before the Passover. Jerusalem was filled with thousands of people from all over to observe the Passover. Meanwhile, the chief priests and the scribes, well, they were plotting on on how to arrest Jesus. And not just arrest Jesus to quiet him, 
but also they were plotting on how to arrest him and then kill him. And they decided that they weren't going to do it during the feast. After the feast, we're going to do it because they were afraid of the people. They weren't afraid of God, but they were afraid of the people. It's interesting as we think about this, Jesus actually was crucified within that week. It goes to show that they weren't in control. The Lord was in control the whole time. Jesus was now at the house of Simon the leper, enjoying a meal with him and his household, along with Martha, Lazarus, Mary, and the disciples. When Mary of Bethany comes through the door with an alabaster flask full of expensive ointment, breaks the flask and pours its contents on Jesus' head, the entire contents of this alabaster flask poured upon Jesus. Well, it filled the house with its fragrance. In John chapter 12 and verse 1, six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. On this particular night, which Mark says is two days before, so six days before he came to Jerusalem, but two days before, this is what happened. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at table. Mary, therefore, took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, he who was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Jesus said, leave her alone, so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. As we see there, this bottle of ointment was described as being worth uh, over one year's wages. That's a lot of money. That's an expensive jar of oil, isn't it? How, how big, how many ounces is a, like a perfume bottle normally? It's like point something ounces? It's like it, ridiculous, right? It's like, uh, how much is that? Oh, that's, that's like a thousand, no, I mean, probably 150 bucks or so, right? A hundred dollars, 80 bucks. But if you go to Walgreens, you can get it for about $30, Right, It's not called the same, but, you know, might give people headaches. But anyway, this bottle was expensive and just filled the house with its fragrance. Beautiful. And as you can see, as we read in Mark and now in John, they were indignant and asked uh, why she wasted the whole bottle on Jesus. Specifically, Judas was asking, who who didn't really care about the poor, but he wanted to come across as religious. Someone who was sincere, but yet he was far from the Lord. He was really only thinking of himself. Because at this point, everything being poured out, he knew, man, I cannot now benefit from the sale of that ointment. 
But Jesus said that what she had done was a beautiful thing. Telling them to leave her alone and to stop troubling her. Stop troubling her, overwhelming her with these burdens that you're placing upon her. Stop rebuking her. Jesus told them that Mary had anointed his body beforehand for his burial. In other words, what the disciples did not want to hear about Jesus' crucifixion, burial, and resurrection. This, This woman, Mary, in this moment proved that she did believe it. In this moment, see, the disciples were with him day in and day out, and yet Mary got it. She came in with this, with this alabaster flask of oil, expensive oil, and just poured it on him. And he said, what she's done for me is to prepare me for my burial. Hey, listen, brothers, I've told you this over and over again. Remember? She believed it. And with loving adoration and devotion, she anointed Jesus from his head to his feet. I want to point out a few things. First of all, as as you give yourself sacrificially to the Lord, as you serve the Lord, consider no one. She didn't consider the disciples or anyone as she was coming in. Ignore criticism. Number one, ignore criticism. You think much about what other people are going to think. Honestly, they probably don't think much of you. We think that they think much of us. They're thinking more about what you think about them. Think about that. Secondly, love extravagantly. And third, do what you can. That's what we see here in Mark Number one, ignore criticism. Notice that Mary did not ask the disciples what they thought before or after she poured out the flask of expensive ointment on Jesus. We have a tendency to do this. Oh, we've given of ourselves in in such a powerful way, extravagantly, completely as a living sacrifice unto the Lord. And then we wait. How's everyone going to respond to that? Or we ask, what do you think of this? Don't ask, hey, listen, if the Lord's calling you to give of yourself and serve him, in a specific way, do it. Give yourself to them. Don't ask for people's permission to do it. Had she asked before, we know, they would have stopped her from doing what she did because of their response. What, wouldn't they have? Hey, what do you think of this? I'm, I, I want to bring in this alabaster flask full of uh, pure nard. And, and I want to pour it out on the head of Jesus. He's sitting right there. I, I want to pour it out on his head and, and just anoint him and, and just, just love on him. I just want to focus on him. Oh, no, that's a, that's a, as a steward, that's a, you're, you're failing. You could do so much more with that. You know, in fact, we could sell it and do much more ministry with it. Sound really, really holy, Right? As she asked after, well, we know she would have gotten an earful about how stupid and irresponsible she was to waste what could have been sold and used for against so much more. Listen, those who are not willing to give sacrificially of themselves to the Lord are always quick to criticize those who are. Because the bottom line is you threaten their religious status quo. 
you'll say things like, you do you, and I'll do me. It's like, man, are we not supposed to, brothers and sisters, with my utmost love for you, are we not supposed to get together and stir each other up to love and good works? to exhort, to admonish, to correct. Why do we draw back from all of that? Why are we so quick to say, don't judge me? Stop. You need to stop being so thin-skinned. Judas criticized Mary for wasting money, but In reality, Judas wasted his entire life being the son of perdition. They scolded her, but Jesus defended her, saying, Leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? Ignore criticism. Secondly, love extravagantly. Her display of extravagant devotion, adoration, and love for Jesus was considered by Jesus as something good. She held nothing back. She gave everything. And such was the widow who gave two mites. As we know, it recorded in Luke chapter 21, verses 1 through 4, and was used actually as an illustration of what is an acceptable gift to God. Jesus brought his disciples and he said, Hey, listen, this is what just happened. Romans 12, 1 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship, reasonable service. God never, is never known to reject a sincere act of extravagant love, adoration, and devotion toward him. He is worthy. What can we give that would be considered too much for our Savior? Even if we give our lives, didn't he give his for us? Ignore criticism, love extravagantly. Number three, do what you can. Remember I told you about that. That man who was converted, he came to Christ. In the moment, he just did what he could, right? She had in her hand this alabaster flask full of expensive ointment and was willing to pour it all out on Jesus as an expression of her devotion and adoration for him. Everything. What beautiful things do you do for Jesus? What beautiful things would you do for Jesus? What beautiful things do you want to do for Jesus? What beautiful things do you know to do for Jesus and why? What do you have in your hand? Do what you can to serve and worship the king for he is worthy of our praise, of our very lives. Here's a contrast. In Mark chapter 8, verse 31. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after three days rise again. And he said this plainly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. One more story. 
C.T. Studd was a man who uh, was very frail at this time because uh, of the, the diseases that he had encountered in his missionary trips, including malaria. And then his wife, this is what happened, said C.T. had many tests on his journey into Africa, but the severest of all came by news from home. Shortly after he sailed, Mrs. C.T. was suddenly taken severely ill on a journey to Carlisle. Her heart was found to have extended out several inches. For days she was kept alive only by stimulants, until, after a visit from Lord Radstock and the prayer face, she turned the corner. But even then, her recovery was but partial, and she remained an invalid with no likelihood of further improvement. The doctor's verdict was that she must live quietly in every sense of the word for the rest of her life. She had to go to her room each night at seven and not come down the next day until lunchtime. No doctor's verdict, however, could now stop her from joining in the new crusade. She had the example of her husband before her and his victory of faith over all bodily weakness. More than that, she had God's call. She now knew that it was God who had led her husband to start the crusade and that he was calling her to fight to the fight side by side with him. So regardless of her condition, she took up the reins at the home end. And first she nominally kept to the doctor's instructions and hours of rising and retiring, but broke all rules in the amount of work she did. Later, as we shall see, she took the whole plunge. From her bed and invalid couch, she formed prayer centers, issued monthly pamphlets by the thousand, wrote often 20 and 30 letters a day, planned and edited the first issues of the Ham magazine in its original heart shape. Her daughters helped her in the work, and they had four. Grace's husband, Mr. Martin Sutton, being the first chairman of the committee until his sudden death a year later. Edith and Pauline living with their mother and helping in various ways. Consequently, when C.T. arrived home at the end of 1914, he found a properly established headquarters at 17 Highland Road, Upper Norwood, and the home end of the work being carried on vigorously. Certainly the foolishness of God is wiser than men. In two years, the heart of Africa had been pioneered by a grandfather who is a physical wreck. While the home end of the mission had been established by an invalid from her couch. Any excuses? We should have none. Such was the foundation of the ham. Exactly according to plan. God's plan which only requires one thing for its fulfillment, not education, not talents, nor youth, nor strength, but faith. By faith, Abraham. By faith, Moses. By faith, C.T. Studd. By faith, you fill in the blank. Listen with faith. Wait with great hope in his promises. Ignore criticism. Love extravagantly. And do what you can. Beautiful things for a beautiful Savior. Father, forgive us for anything that we have withheld from you. Lord, you deserve it all. And Yet, Lord, we can be distracted with so much in life or that we miss out. We forget your promises, your faithfulness, 
and how it is that you deserve you deserve everything I pray Lord that in this moment as we consider your goodness your forgiveness your grace only known through Jesus Christ salvation Lord that if there's anyone here who does not know you as Lord and Savior that today they realize that they know that there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. That's the whole reason why these, these men, these people, Mary, Martha, Lord, came to the place to where they, they yielded all, they loved extravagantly, they dedicated their whole lives, they adored you, they, they expressed it in such a real way with their whole lives. And Father, I pray that we would come to see that, that anyone here who does not know Jesus as Savior, that this moment would be pivotal, pivotal, Lord, that in this moment they would completely yield themselves to you, asking for forgiveness and crying out to Jesus as Lord and Savior. Having been given a new heart and a new life, they have a new perspective, a new purpose in life, a new hope. And desire to walk with you. Knowing that what awaits them is your glory. That has been sealed by the spirit for the day of redemption. And so Father thank you Lord once more for stirring our hearts. May us your people be drawn to you. And serve you as long as you give us life. Sacrificially and with great love and adoration. In Jesus name.